0: You're listening to episode 34 of the Take the Reins podcast with Nikki Porter. Welcome and thanks for stopping by. You're listening to Take the Reins, a weekly personal growth podcast for horse owners. If you're invested in becoming the best version of yourself in all your relationships, both human and equine, this is the spot for you. Through our conversations, you will learn how to become a stronger communicator, leader, and deepen the connection you crave both in and out of the arena. Horses have an awful lot to teach us, yet very little of it actually has to do with horses. They reflect back to you who you are emotionally, physically, and energetically. They are a mirror to your soul, and it is time to take an honest look at who you are and who you want to become. I can't wait to connect with you, so here we go. Welcome to the Take the Reins podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Porter. It's a beautiful Monday morning for me and despite what my voice sounds like, I am feeling energized and inspired after having the privilege of teaching some amazing horses and humans this weekend. It was great, as always, to spend time with some like-minded horse owners, but the thing that was a little different than some other clinic weekends this summer was the cool temperatures. We had some frosty mornings, and I cannot deny that fall has made its appearance in Nova Scotia. With every new season comes new responsibilities as horse owners. Many of us have changes of routines as the weather becomes cooler and the level of care changes for our equine friends. I've been thinking a lot about responsibilities as horse owners lately. We all have the responsibility of offering our horses the best care possible, but That looks different for everyone. Some may have their horses on full turnout and others may have very little turnout at all. The circumstances and the needs for all horses and owners are very unique. However, I believe we all share a common responsibility beyond the daily care of our horses. This responsibility as equestrians is to work with our horses from the most informed place that we can be. There are so many areas In our horse lives that we need to be well informed in to be responsible horse owners such as emergency care, nutrition, safety, riding, so much more. But the area I want to focus on today is being informed about ourselves and the impact that that has on the lives of our horses. Today I'm speaking about our responsibility as equestrians to know ourselves to the best of our ability to make the lives of our equine partners the best that we can offer them. These are the three things that I think all equestrians need to know about themselves in order to communicate with a clear and conscious intention with their horses. It's important to note that there are far more than three but for the matter of time today we're going to focus on these three in particular. The first one I want to focus on is an equestrian's understanding of their emotional triggers. It's important to understand what our triggers are. It's not as important in this situation for us to understand why our emotional triggers are as they are. That is something for, for all humans to dig into and to dive into and to understand with more depth. But for this conversation, we're going to talk about the what, not necessarily the why. Sometimes when we get hung up on the why, we get hung up on the story of the past and that becomes the focus. I believe it's very important for the focus to be on what exactly does trigger us emotionally and then how can we work through that. How do, we, how do we recognize that? In order to be able to recognize your emotional triggers, it just means we need to shift our thinking in order to see when and feel when we are feeling triggered. We are feeling a rise in our emotions as a result of a situation. When you begin to recognize when you become emotionally activated, you might discover that you get emotional when you believe you're made to feel or look stupid. Maybe it comes from being put in a situation that makes you feel physically at risk of being hurt, or it might be a situation that makes you feel emotionally vulnerable. So there's lots of different ways that our emotions get triggered, but the most important part of this is is for us to be able to recognize when that is taking place before we can ever respond from a more informed place in a less reactive or emotional place. So the next question is how exactly do we recognize the times that we're becoming triggered and what do we do with it? So the most important part now is to be able to bring this into your awareness and commit to seeing and feeling when your emotions begin to be triggered. So for instance, you become aware, instead of just becoming frustrated, you become aware when you've been frustrated or when you're becoming frustrated. And you are aware when you're becoming angry or are in a state of anger. You are aware when you have responded reactively or when you begin to show signs ...of a physical response such as accelerated heart rate, tense muscles, etc. When you start to recognize that those things are taking place is when you're able to then take the next step. But if you are going into those emotional states without the awareness then it's very difficult, actually impossible for you to be able to make the necessary changes to communicate from a different space. Remember that right now you're just looking to take note of the situations that cause those feelings to rise up for you. So they may come up working on something new with a riding coach, handling an unfamiliar horse, or it could be a horse that you know quite well and should be, in your opinion, doing something that you ask it's important to look at your triggers outside of your horse life as well and looking at where you're becoming triggered at work, at home, or when spending time with friends. Our emotional triggers don't always show up as blatant negative responses or overreactions on our part. Sometimes our triggers show up as a little nagging feeling that feels like envy or Or you know that you should feel happy or joy for someone in a certain situation, but instead you feel a little animosity or um, discontentment due to their success or something, a story that they're sharing with you. So those are all things to keep an eye on. And my suggestion would be that this is a great opportunity to do some reflective journaling. It's an opportunity for you maybe in the evenings to be able to reflect on you know, how you felt that day where you felt you were triggered why you felt you were triggered and what did that trigger look like for you how did you respond when you were emotionally activated at that time, how did it show up? Did it show up by you shutting down completely and stepping out of a conversation or stepping away from a situation altogether without dealing with something that needed to be dealt with? There are many ways that we respond that are not as productive as we would like them to be, but we're not quite sure how to change our behavior because we haven't gotten honest with ourselves enough to reflect and understand that we are in fact being triggered in those moments. And it isn't a matter of, I am who I am, so this is what I do. It is a matter of, this is what is happening. And as a result, this is how I'm reacting or responding. And if I don't like the, how I'm responding or reacting, I have the ability to change it, but I cannot change how I respond or react without taking an honest look at it first. After observing and becoming conscious of your triggers is when you're at a place where you can help manage your response to them for more effective and fair communication in and out of the arena, both with your horses and in every other areas of communication in your life. The second thing that I think equestrians should know about themselves in order to maintain intentional and conscious communications with their horses and everyone else they communicate with is what affects your energy and how. So I'm going to explain this to you by telling you a personal discovery that I made simply by tracking my met- my meditations more closely. So the week before last, when I was tracking my meditations using the Muse headband that I have, I noticed a really clear change in my results. One day, I had spent the majority of my time uh, in my meditation in a very calm state, while the next day, I struggled to even get a brief moment of calm On my reading from my Muse headband. So the important thing to know here is that it didn't feel much different in my body. I didn't feel like I was more stressed one day over the other. I still felt like my mind was quiet. However, the reading that was coming up on my Muse app was that I was having a difficult time creating a calm mind. So I have discovered over the years of meditation that there's a very big difference between a quiet mind and a calm mind, but that's another topic for another day. Back to this story. I originally thought that the difference in these two days, that it was it was due to something that I knew I needed to do immediately after. So One day I had no plans after I was meditating. It was just, I was staying at home and continuing to do my regular work. And the other day I had had plans. And so I had set my timer for my meditation. And I knew that as soon as I was going to be done, that session that I was going to be getting out of the house and going and doing something. So I was under the impression that my plans for after were the source of my inability to calm my mind. I couldn't help but get more curious about the vast difference between my ability to reach a calm state within these different days that I was meditating. So I then discovered that my original hypothesis was Actually, quite wrong. Through a bit of experimenting, I discovered that it was what I was doing before I was meditating that was affecting me. On the days I struggled to find calm, I had actually found a new playlist that I was playing while I was doing chores. And the whole purpose of this playlist was to kind of motivate me and pump me up. So it consisted of all these little mini motivational speeches. So they made me feel like I believed in myself and they started my day off feeling really motivated so I would leave doing cho- from doing chores and I actually even sent this playlist to a friend of mine who would appreciate this sort of motivation coming from just a simple playlist. Uh, it, they're super quick and they they target different areas of motivation so it was kind of neat but... I, and I enjoyed coming back home and feeling that motivation and bringing that into my work. However, what I didn't know is just how activated these little mini motivating uh, speeches or talks that I was listening to in the morning while I was doing chores had actually made me. So then I thought of how often, myself included now, We all go to the burn after being activated in a negative sense either at home or at work. If I have a hard time letting go of positive energy to find calm, I can just imagine how long it would take me to let go of that negative energy and then also how does this affect how my horse reads me that day you know, does, does this energy that I have a difficult time letting go of, does it make me show up in an incongruent state? My guess is that it does. And this is something that I'm going to look into a little further. So fortunately, uh, not only do I have the Muse headband, but I also have the inner Bluetooth device developed by HeartMath. So it gives me the ability to actually experiment a little bit with this. Now if the term congruence or incongruence is new to you or it's not something that sounds familiar to you, I highly suggest going back an episode and listening to my interview with Jane Pike and we just touch briefly on the importance of congruence in our communication with our horses and it should help you make a little more sense of that. And in the future, I'm going to be doing more episodes that highlight and explain the importance of congruence, not only the importance, but also what it is and and why you should know about it. When I think of how difficult it was for me to regulate my energy after being so activated by those little motivational speeches in the morning, I can't help but think about how difficult it would be if I didn't have a regular meditation practice where I have been literally doing just that, practicing emotional and energetic regulation. On my Facebook this week, I shared a post, and it, in the post, it had a quote from one of my favorite teachers of meditation, Dr. Joe Dispenza. And it says, You are who you practice to be. And this is what meditation really comes down to is practicing who you want to be, and how you want to show up. And I absolutely love digging in a little deeper to my own meditation practice to see the areas that I personally struggle. So I struggle with really creating that calm state within my body because I often feel like I'm calm, but... I haven't achieved it yet. So that those are my goals. That's that's how I've set my goals for my meditation. It used to be that my meditation was set around the goal of creating a quiet mind. Now that I've achieved a quiet mind, it's allowed me to move further into my practice and really access and, and clearly consciously access a calm state when I know I need to. And then it, my my intention would be that I can go and listen to something that gets my energy up and gets me pumped up, either in a negative or a positive sense, and then be able to bring myself back down. And I, I will do that with practice and with the monitoring through my my meditation apps. Now, you don't have to have meditation apps. You don't have to have guided meditations in order to meditate. You don't have to have a pillow. You simply just need just quiet space. And honestly, if you don't have quiet space, then i suggest just waiting until the you know everyone else has gone to bed and you go to lay down and let's say you are someone who has a really hard time quieting your mind at night before you go to sleep this is a fantastic way to bring meditation into your your daily life but also begin to control your thoughts in a way that allows for a better night's sleep and allows for more rest You will be amazed how this shows up in your work with your horses later on. The final thing I want to talk about today is an equestrian's ability to understand what their own default mode is. Now, I was listening to an audiobook called Altered Traits by Daniel Goleman and Richard J. Davidson. In this book, it was said that a wandering mind is an unhappy or sad mind. This got me thinking more about my own default mode. I have done a lot of work around my default mode in the past. In fact, it's actually the driving force behind a lot of my personal work, but I haven't actually checked in on my default mode in a while. Humans typically have a negative default mode. The mo- So a default mode is the mode of thinking that we fall into when we're not occupying our minds with work or tasks. That So when we are not occupied, we typically go into a negative headspace as a default mode. So this means that when we're idle, we spend that time thinking about things that have upset or hurt us. We retell ourselves stories to reaffirm the hurt and we set up scenarios to confront people or things who have triggered these negative feelings within us. After being reminded to check in on my own default mode, what I discovered is exactly what the teachers of meditation that I've been following and learning from are looking to teach. Through our awareness and practice, then we're able to change our default mode. Upon closer inspection, I found mine was quite different than it was in years past. After taking some time to take note of what was coming up for me when I wasn't busying my mind with work or tasks that required some concentration. I learned that when my mind is idle now, it goes into a creative mode. It comes up with new ideas that feel inspiring or energizing. This isn't 100% of the time now, but the greatest discovery that I made was that my default mode had become a positive one. This likely accounts for the noticeable differences and changes in my inner voice, work with my horses, and my ability to create and do despite the presence of fear or doubt. Through practice, I became accustomed to dreaming big and believing in myself. Doubt still creeps in, but now it only slows me down. It does not stop me. It's interesting to try to think about what our default mode might be doing to our communication with our horses or people around us. When we go into an idle state and we're not occupying our minds by you know, maintaining a focus and being with our horses and being present then our mind automatically goes into that default mode. And if it is a negative default mode, then we're more likely going to show up in a negative way for our horses. We're not going to be able to see when they're trying for us. We're going to interpret their behaviors in a negative way. And we're going to have a hard time leaving a session with our horses with a positive mindset. Now, I hope those give you some food for thought. I hope that you're able to take away from this episode the fact that part of being a responsible horse owner is doing the work outside of the arena to get to know ourselves, to understand how we react and respond and how that influences our communication with our horses and that when we want to communicate with our horses with a fair amount of pressure and you know, clear and concise communication, it's very important for us to be able to understand why we respond the way that we do, why we react the way that we do, and how we can make changes when we see that changes are necessary. To finish this episode, I want to share with you some excitement from last week. So last week, I hit a few milestones within my business, and I cannot thank you enough because without the Take the Reins listeners and my clients, then I would never have reached the milestones that I did. So last week, the Take the Reigns podcast reached 20,000, over 20,000 all-time downloads, and that's a pretty big deal. So thank you. I appreciate all of your support, your dedication to the show through listening to the new episodes that come out, as well as sharing the podcast with people who you believe would enjoy it. Another very exciting thing that happened within my business last week was that NikkiPorter.ca was relaunched, and with that, four of my eight recorded equestrian meditations Were released. So it's very exciting. If you do not have a meditation practice already, this is a great way to get started. Now, I did already say, and I want this to be very clear you do not need to have anything special. You don't need to download or buy anything special to start a meditation practice or to even advance your meditation practice but I created these meditations because I have personally gained in my meditation practice from listening to guided meditations. And I do believe that it immensely helps our mindset and our energy going into work with our horses. So the four meditations that are up on the website right now, all help you in different areas of your own mindset and your work with your horses. So one is the grounding meditation, and that is a fantastic meditation that allows you to ground and center yourself before you enter the burn. This meditation allows you to clear your mind, disconnect from stress, and become aware to ensure that you are entering your horse's space with clear intentions, quiet energy, and a present mind. On the website you will also find a moving meditation for equestrians it's a powerful moving meditation to focus your mind on the present to become more balanced and aware this grounding technique that i use helps you feel calm peaceful and centered while working around your horse. It allows for your horse to feel you while you're in a congruent and peaceful state, allowing them to feel your true intentions and loving energy. The third meditation that you'll find is called the cool down meditation and it is the perfect way to end a ride. This meditation allows you to finish your ride with a quiet mind and a grateful heart. It's known that we must always finish our rides on a good note. And this meditation allows you to do exactly that every time by using it consistently to teach yourself and your horse how to relax, let go, and remain connected, allowing you to go into your next ride riding the horse you have rather than the horse you had. The fourth and my absolute favorite meditation that was released and can be found on the website is called the My Promise Meditation. This is an effective and peaceful meditation that offers a promise to your horse to show up for them as your best self. This particular meditation reintroduces you to your horse on an energetic level by offering a heart-centered message to them to create a clear and loving intention, which helps build trust, connection, and compassion. It's a powerful meditation that can be used anytime you need to release frustration, reconnect your horse and self, or remind yourself of your horse's need for your strength, softness, and clarity. These four meditations that were released are all part of a eight part meditation series that will be released in about four weeks time. And I suggest if you already have a meditation practice or you do sense that this is something that will help you, One of the meditations coming up is going to be a clear mind for a competitive edge, so that will help you with your mindset going into competitions, and there are a few other fantastic ones there. So if you believe that this is something that will help you within your horsemanship, you might want to hold off and get that whole series of eight. But if you're just looking to see if this is something that could help you, I suggest hopping over to the website and just looking for one or two that resonate the most with you, that you feel like you can bring into uh, not necessarily your everyday life, although I think that would be awesome. It's definitely not necessary. It The more you do it, the more it will help you. However, these are meditations that can be used when you know you feel like you need to shift your mindset in order to change your energy or go into a ride or finish a ride with a new fresh perspective. To those of you who have already purchased the meditations, thank you so much. I appreciate it and I hope that they help you and I hope they help your horsemanship and please do share with me the impact that they have. All right, so it's time for me to hop off and I can't wait for you to hear who I have an interview with next week. It's going to be a great episode. And the... The guest is an amazing person and speaking of energy, she has a fantastic energy that she brings to the show. So stay tuned for a great interview next week. I'll maybe give a couple hints on social media as to who it is and what we'll be discussing. But thanks again for listening. I always appreciate you stopping by and I will see you next time on the Take the Reins podcast. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for choosing to spend your time with me. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave a review and share it with your friends. To learn more about me and what else I have on the go, skip on over to NikkiPorter.ca. Thanks again for listening. And we'll connect again next week. Until then, remember, you have the power to take the reins and live the life you've always wanted. You just have to step into the arena with an open heart and an open mind.